Hey, this is Eddie Olchek. You're listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mac, and Harrison. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 90 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How are we doing, buddy? Doing good. Pretty tired, man. Um, another weekend of travel for me. Was back up in New York. Uh, flew up there Friday. Came back super early yesterday. Uh, but it, it was nice. Got to go up for a wedding. Sick wedding venue on this amazing golf course. Um, I've been to weddings at this venue before and dude, like the food and drinks, they, they do it right. They do a fantastic job. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good weekend. Can't complain. You're just a busy man. Yeah. Busy guy for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You got a second property in New York. (sighs) I could never agree to that property tax, but yeah, yeah. I feel you. I'm busting your balls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to toss it across the screen to my other co-host, Mac Vogel. Good morning. No beer for you this morning, eh? Not today. No, it's not Friday. It's Tuesday, <laughs> you know, although I always have off on Tuesdays for my other job. So it's kind of like Friday for me, but yeah. no yeah. beer this morning. <laughs> not, not one beer. It's Tuesday. So he gets two. Right. Yeah. Two for two. Yeah. Got, got some pretty uh, twofers, as we call it. Yep. Got some pretty good reviews on your little uh, intro last episode, so. Oh yeah, I uh, yeah. I would say it is um, Tuesday, and my favorite restaurant in Milwaukee has finally brought back their happy hour. Um, I used to work at this restaurant; it's a tequila bar. Um, oh god, and that they makes also sense. Have tacos, and they have like <laughs> the best margaritas in the city. Uh, so we will be going there later. Their happy hour is like the best one ever. Um, they took it away after COVID because they were just losing money, obviously. But yeah. got an email yesterday; it's back. It's like two to six p.m., so it's like a big nice. Old- Happy hour. We're gonna get there at two and just see how long we can stay. <laughs> I always hate when happy hour is like three to four or like yeah. five to six. And I'm like, that's right. that's not how that's supposed to See, work. Those are the ones that you can't really plan for. Those are the ones that like if you happen to be at the restaurant and it's going on, you're like, Oh hey, cool. Let's get like wraps because right. they're cheaper right now or whatever. Right. But like, no, if a good old two to six PM, you can plan for that. Yeah. Big, uh, big late night happy hour fan too. Like the True. 11 and onwards. Those, those are, are cool. Yeah. Um, they did that I, on the border. I think. Yep. My main reason in bringing this up is because I will be indulging in some margaritas later. Uh oh. Baseball's uh, on the night. I was yep. going to say, there's a whole bunch of baseball games. So maybe I'll throw something up on the story. Try and yeah. run the table tonight. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth a shot. Uh, so episode 90, can't believe I'm saying that doesn't feel like it's been 90 episodes, but we're here somehow, some way, uh, we have a big interview guest on today. We were fortunate enough to be joined by Luke Gazdick. We had him on, I believe either the start of June or the end of May, the playoffs were still going on. Uh, we banked this one. We banked a lot of interviews for the month of August and we're going to be releasing them since there's not as much, uh, NHL news going around town, but Luke is a former NHLer who played with the Edmonton Oilers and New Jersey Devils, was also roommates with Taylor Hall and Connor McDavid. So that's pretty fucking cool. I've heard of Uh, both of those people before. Yeah, once or twice. So, (laughs) um, you know, listen a little later on the episode and you'll get to hear all about that. He also fought Tom Wilson. That's definitely something that's childhood best friends. They're good buddies. They train together, both Toronto boys. So just a great guy. 
um, you know, just recently retired and looks like he's, you know, going to have a good career over, I think in the media world, I think he'd be awesome for that. Absolutely. So we appreciate him coming on. And like we said, if, you know, you're listening and it sounds like the playoffs are still going on, we did record it a little over a month ago. So just keep that in mind. Uh, two months ago, actually. Yeah. Uh, merchandise. We say it every episode, but we really mean it now. Summer merch is going to be available through the end of this month, and then it's gone. So get yours while it lasts. Uh, we have the Wowie Kazowie bundle on our merch store as well. We partnered up with the Lachlan Family Foundation to raise money for rare cancer. All the proceeds will be donated to the foundation from the website. So go check out our shop at www.emptybetters.com and click on shop at the top. Uh, we will be going to their golf tournament uh, at, on September 13th, I believe. We'll be there with a couple Caps players, with Craig, a couple media guys, Alan May, Koken, all those guys. So we're looking forward to it. Mac, question of the day. I think I found this on Twitter, but I think it's still a good one. Yeah, you were the one that hipped me to this one. It's always a good debate and I feel like we haven't talked about it in a while. There's also been some like New Jersey's kind of recently and stuff, so um what's the best looking oh you know what i won't even say jersey what's the best looking uniform from head to toe in the nhl right now helmets gloves shorts it has pants, to be a specific one too socks. i can't don't just say like blackhawks and like general yeah, no. general no, it's got to pick like their home unis or their alternate or yeah. whatever yeah nick i think you should lead us off it's just tough um because obviously the first like eight that come to mind are like all like the really, really classic looking teams. Like obviously you have the original six guys in there. Uh, I've always thought St. Louis has a great look. I think their away uniforms are one of the best in the NHL period. I don't know. This is tough. You know, I've gone back and forth over, I think like the last two years torn between the Leafs and the wings, just because I think that look is iconic. It's timeless. It's classic. The two of the, the wings logo, I think is one of the best in pro sports, maybe the best in all of pro sports, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have to go with the Chicago Blackhawks home because that's the best uniform in pro sports right one. now. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty I- sick. I, this is tough for me to admit, but I, I might have to go with the Rangers blue uniforms. I it's think those one. are so sharp from head to toe. The yeah. way the, the pants are like, uh, aren't they red? Right. And, and uh, yes, yes, yes. They're like the red, pants, but they yeah. at least have some red on them or whatever, but yeah. there's good, there's good highlights throughout and they're just classic. However, I also do like the Maple Leafs a lot, just like the blue and white, like two yeah. color system. It's just so clean. Them. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how Toronto makes a plain blue and white Jersey look so good. And Tampa right. Bay makes it look so bad. It's so true. It looks so boring on the yeah. boards, but it's, it's like with it the pops. Leafs. It's perfect yeah. with Tampa. It's a create a team in NHL 15. Yes. Yes. It's just not. I good. also have to give a special shout out to the sharks, uh, black, like alternates. I don't even know if they like currently still rock. Yeah. Them but there was like a period in time where they had just the all, I think they were calling it black armor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was just like literally black from head to toe, black hockey pants, black socks, black Jersey, black helmet, everything. And was, they would wear them in the playoffs too. I think. Yeah. Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, I think historically I've always said that they're, I don't even know if they have so many jerseys. It's hard to tell now, 
Um, the Blackhawks have like a, a black one. There's one that's just straight up black and white. It's not that one. It's the one that has like the, the red circle on the front. I would probably say that is my favorite. But I will – this is going to be a hot take, but I love Carolina's black ones. I'm a big fan of that. I know you guys don't like it. I also will say the I Kraken. I love their old the Kraken. black ones. Dude, the Kraken, the Kraken, that's good. It looks better fan. when it's like – on the person as opposed yeah. to like when we saw it for the first time, my I thing want- with the Kane's black one is the old black one was sick. Yes. Like when uh, Alex, flag. Alex Semmon was there for a cup of coffee when they with had like, Jeff Skinner yeah. with like the checkers all around and everything. Yeah. yeah like along that. the bottom and stuff. Right. Yeah. This one is just a like, like it. under armor looking nightmare with like the gray on the shoulder it's and very the black. Like it's just a cup of hockey. Yeah. It's just, no, it's not good. So I will probably say, I'll probably say the Blackhawks black one with the red circle on the front and my runner up, Gotta give it a shout out. I love the Panthers reverse retro. The old, the old Panther. Not this. Yeah, that's Panther a good bullshit. one. The old Panther, the navy blue, it all just fits. So I'm a big fan. That's yeah. a good one. I like them in that color scheme. Like the yeah. more navy blue, the sort of red. less like in your face red. But yeah, absolutely. Um, so that does it for question of the day. We're gonna move on to just a little bit of news we have. But before we do, we want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Brackish Life. Let's take a second to talk about Brackish Life. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then Brackish Life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay Apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh Brackish Life. Up. I know there's another part to the ad. I say it every time they donate to Chesapeake Bay area, rank to reef, all that stuff. I do want to say a little off script. I just did an order with them yesterday and for the winter and fall months, they actually have different weather purposed hoodies. Yeah. They're so sick. they have like fleece on the inside. They have like a textured shell on the outside. I bought one for me, bought one for my old man. They look great. Um, you know, you might look at it and be like, mm, it's a little expensive. They're worth it, I promise. They are phenomenal hoodies, especially if you're an outdoorsman. You're going hunting in the in the fall or the winter. These are phenomenal. Um, the UV shirts, I've said it every time I wear them constantly. They're also super comfy to wear to bed, especially the long sleeve one. If you want to make your girl happy, you know, maybe you pick up a long sleeve for her, a little comfort, little comfort color tee vibe, but you still get the lightness of the UV protection, so... I'm yeah, a big they're, fan. They're great. Like when you, if you're out on the water and you're like one of those people, like uh, this happens to my mom all the time. Like you're out on the water, there's a little bit of a breeze, you get chilly, but it's like hot out. You pop one of those UV shirts on and it's just cool enough to the point where you're not going to die. Max rocking his right now. They're, they're fantastic. They're just great. I believe the hoodie I'm talking about, I think it's called the all elements hoodie. Yeah, that's that sounds right. I, that's the one. It is a little pricey. I'm not going to lie, but in my opinion, it's worth it and it will keep you warm and it'll keep you dry as well. So that's, that's great stuff by them. Appreciate them sponsoring as always, Nick, I'm going to toss it across to you for the league news. Sure. Yeah. Not too much to get to today. Uh, We start with the latest in the Evander Kane reality TV show. Um, So Kane's wife who is pregnant and correct me if I'm wrong, they are not currently together. 
Honestly, dude, I have no idea. I don't. Okay. I, it seems like they're like some they're sort not of separated or <laughs> yeah, or like yeah. They, so yeah. they're not currently together. But she is pregnant uh, with his child. Uh, she basically lit him up online, um, claiming that uh, he's a gambling addict and that he tanked games for profit. Uh, yeah, this is this is weird. Uh, she said some pretty specific stuff. Uh, he has since come out and refuted all of those claims and said that they're absolutely not true. Uh, she went on to say, how does the NHL let a compulsive gambling addict still play when he's obviously throwing games to win money? She said, someone maybe, hmm, someone needs to address this. This is bad. Like, I mean, this is, it's a really specific allegation to throw at someone and to say that he was throwing games is pretty serious. So I want to know your guys' thoughts on this. Obviously, since then, Kane has come out and said that this is false. He has come out and said that she is soon to be his ex-wife, so that I think that puts it all into perspective, uh, and that he has never gambled or bet on hockey and would never throw a game and that he's looking forward to next season and just clearing his name. So where do you guys think this is going to go? I have absolutely no idea. So I don't really know like what side to take here or who to believe because on the one hand, we've got Evander Kane, who we know is a bit unstable and uh, has had some gambling issues recently. And then on the other side, we've got this woman, Anna Kane, who it like she barely even has a presence online. Like her Instagram has like three. I don't know if you guys looked at her. Her Instagram has three posts on it. One of them is from like two years ago. The second one is from like six months ago. And then the third one is the post being like, fuck you, Evander, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it almost looked like it was like a fake account when I first looked at it. I was like, is this even like the, is this the real like wife of Evander Kane? Or is this like some fan like trying to like troll right now or something like that? But I mean, I guess it's real. Uh, definitely a terrible thing to accuse somebody of if not true. However, on the flip side, if true, horrible, and he should probably honestly like be banned from hockey if he actually oh, he was doing be. that. Um, but here's the thing. We don't have to speculate because the NHL is doing an investigation. They're going to be able to find out if he's bet on his own games or not. I mean, that's like a factual thing that they will be able to find out. So, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. wait and see at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely some heavy allegations. And if he is found guilty of this, he's done. It's in the CBA agreement that there is a no tolerance policy for any, you know, gambling by the players on games. This smells like the Pete Rose uh, incident that we had, you know, a couple decades ago. But yep. here's what I'll say. I think this is picking up a lot of traction because he does have, you know, some gambling problems in the past, very recent past. It was what there was a casino that said he was like a couple would, million in debt or something like that. Yeah, he's in yeah. some financial turmoil in terms of owing bookies, casinos, blah blah blah. So, I think that's got this picking up some traction. He did, by the way, call his wife or ex-wife, whatever it is at this point in time. He called her mentally ill. No mm-hmm. idea if that's like true or not. Um, it's getting kind of dirty, and like Max said, it's not really our place to to speculate. But the league will do an investigation, and I guess we'll see what goes down. Um, it's just kind of weird because, like, he just had his best career season. I don't know if you guys yeah. noticed that. And he, so, he made a point to reference that in his rebuttal to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did have a great year. But the other thing is, like, 
you got to think that this is not a guy that anyone wants in their locker room. Like I already saw rumblings that was like the sharks all kind of want him traded. Like they just don't really like his vibe in the locker room. And like, he's, he's also gotten in a lot of trouble before for all kinds of other stuff. Like that thing I sent you guys from wiki page or whatever, when he was in Buffalo, he was like, yeah, there's there's a lot of shady stuff in this guy's past. So I don't think this is necessarily like, super crazy of for us to be hearing like that he's in the news for like some kind of scandal or anything but right. Like, right again it just depends like how true all of this is and like what what actually happened which i guess we'll find out soon enough yeah i think by the start of the season hopefully we'll we'll have some type of update on this but it is a, a pretty unfortunate situation and you know obviously we're we're hoping that everything everybody's safe and doing everything that they can to uh, right. fi- fix this out and fix their issues. So Yeah, most of all, hopefully just whatever happens there, you know, his wife and his uh, child and his soon-to-be second child uh, are all safe and in good hands as well. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on, Marc-Andre Fleury has announced that he will play for the Chicago Blackhawks this upcoming season. Harry, what time does your jersey get delivered to the house? Let's go. Uh, yeah, I, I thought about it. I mean, it's a great, great looking Jersey with one of my favorite players of all time, but he, uh, must've talked to the management team. His agent got on board. The kids are moving, the wife's moving. So they'll be there with him. Apparently they're going to go school shopping. Uh, so yeah, good for flower. Chicago is an interesting team this year. They are look out. I don't want to talk about it, you know, right now, but they're going to be a fun team to watch. I'm going to at least a handful of games this year. Nice. I'm excited to see Flurry in Chicago, and I got to take advantage of being able to see like literally one of the greatest goalies of all time, and what might be his last season. Who knows? Yeah, uh, that's great to hear. I think it would have been uh, it would have been sad to see him go out like that by just not playing because uh, he didn't want to be dealt there. So I'm glad that that sort of resolved itself. Uh, David Krejci is leaving the Boston Bruins to go play hockey in the Czech Republic after 15 seasons with the organization. I was a little bit sad because I kind of wanted the Caps to make a push for this guy. Uh, One of the better puck movers, one of the best passers in the league that God knows they could use. Um, He released a statement saying, since the end of the season, as I have thought about my future, it has become clear that I need to make the difficult decision for my family and I. At this point in my career in life, I need to return to the Czech Republic and play in front of my family who sacrificed so much to help me achieve my NHL dreams. I want to play in front of my parents, brother and friends, and I want my children to live where I grew up. So this seems like it's the right move for him. It seems like he's, you know, he won the Stanley Cup. He went to a couple finals with this team. He's had an amazing career. He's been one of the best players to come out of the Czech Republic in the last 15 or 20 years. So uh, it seems like he's happy with his decision and, you know, hats off. Great career, dude. Yeah, it's definitely an honorable uh, reason to leave the NHL. I, I got a lot of respect for that statement and, and his reasoning there. I think that we'll definitely miss seeing him play because he's a hell of a hockey player, but I – can't say I'm going to be sad to see yeah. the Bruins lose one of their best yep. players. Honestly, that's, uh, that's yeah. good because they've had some decent signings as well, and they were starting to get a little too dangerous for my liking. But. Yeah. Yeah, great career. Uh, been there 15 years, like Nick said. Uh, one of the, the OGs in the Bruins, been part of that core for a long time. So um, not a retirement because he's still going to be playing hockey, but retirement from the NHL. So hats off to Krejci. It was a hell of a career. Uh, I, I did see uh, on Leafs Twitter, one of my favorite accounts, like, great, 
So now the Bruins center depth is like, you know, like I can't, I should know it, but with free agency on the, I haven't registered all of it yet, but they're like, great. Like the Bruins center depth is now like one third of what the Leafs is, but they'll still end up having like a 120 point season and getting in yep. the first place. So I was like, and yeah, beat them in the first round. Yeah. And that sounds about right. So. Oh yeah, it does. Uh, moving on to another team from the Northeast, Jack Eichel's agents have said that they had anticipated a trade by now. So of course the Jack Eichel saga, everyone thought this was going to get done. Eichel has come out and also said that basically the rift between him and the team over this whole, like whether to have surgery or not issue is only getting bigger. Um, The Sabres captain has been skating, but has still not gotten the surgery that his camp wants him to have. And the Sabres management and medical team keep denying him. Allegedly, if he got the surgery today, he would still be ready for camp this season. And that kind of just makes the situation even uglier. I don't know why the Sabres don't want him to have this procedure. Um, So so awful. Yeah, just put put your team aside and, and let the dude do what he feels is best for him like i hate i hate this business part of hockey where it's like we literally get a say in like what you do with your body like that's kind of fucked up honestly yeah like even if he was gonna miss the whole season it's like okay it's buffalo like nothing big is gonna happen this season. like saber and also i hate, do I hate it to break now it to while you. he's young he's only getting older like these right. are his prime years you want him to be performing to the best of his ability so just let him get the fucking surgery if he wants it like it yeah not that complicated but buffalo has to make everything a mess so (laughs) yeah i echo what max said go off yeah uh that pretty much wraps it up for the news like we mentioned not a ton to get you guys uh caught up on before this interview uh but before we send it off to luke we just want to remind everyone that summer is still here and there has never been a better time to get out on the water If you're looking for that new boat or yacht you've always dreamed of, well, call the Yacht Lender. Uh, He's a specialist in marine finance with partnerships with 15 different banks, and he has the right lender for whatever vessel you may be in the market for. Backed by Trident Funding with over 25 years as an industry leader, the Yacht Lender has the expertise and know-how to finance the boat of your dreams. Don't wait. Apply today at YachtLender.com or check him out on Instagram at YachtLender to see others who have already gotten out on the water. We're going to go ahead and send it off to Luke right now all right everyone well our next guest is a veteran of over more than 140 games in the nhl he joins us now mr luke gastic thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today man we really appreciate it yeah no problem fellas for sure so uh you know just to get to know you a little bit better uh why don't you tell us a little bit about you know yourself where you are you know now where you're from you know where you grew up and how you got into hockey in the first place well, I'm born and raised in uh, Toronto, Ontario here, uh, uh, up in Canada. Um, I've been here my whole life, uh, aside from playing pro hockey, but I'm back here now. I have a house here. My family's here. Um, I moved away from home when I was about 17 uh, to play in the OHL in Pennsylvania. And then I bounced all over. I got drafted by the Dallas Stars in the sixth round in 2007. Started my career in the East Coast Hockey League in Boise, Idaho um bounced around not bounced around but played in the minors for about four years before I got my NHL career started uh with the Edmonton Oilers uh played some games with the New Jersey Devils as well and then uh finished off in San Diego with the goals uh last two years and uh yeah just formally announced my retirement from from professional hockey it's been a long go man I grew up playing here in Toronto um my dad played and my brothers played so it's a big thing here in, in not just in Canada but Toronto's kind of a 
kind of a hotbed for it. Everybody plays and everyone's, everyone's, you know, in the, in the winter we're playing ice hockey in the summer we're playing road hockey. It's, it's, uh, it's all hockey all the time. So uh, I just stepped away from it and, and uh, looking to get into something else here. Yeah. Well, so congrats you, on the career, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Obviously yeah. I appreciate I, it. Saw your statement on Twitter. That one hit homes. That was very well written. I don't know if that I was you or, you or was that from you or did you hire a pro? Yeah, no, I can write. I can write. Uh, it's actually like kind of one of my things. I, I, oh, good. Uh, I'm not like an English major. Or anything. I didn't even go to university, but I'm always writing stuff. And throughout my career, I've documented like a lot of stuff that's happened, um, journaled nice. some, you know, some stuff. So I probably had that thing written down and I tinkered with it for like uh, probably longer than I'd want to say. I don't think it was like half a year, but it was a number of months. So I just tinkered with it. And yeah, man, it was like, I was out in Alberta. It was nice. Like two Sundays ago, I was like, it's a nice day out. You know, I'm going to crack a cold one and let's just throw this online and see what happens. You know, fucking right. Nice. Hell yeah. Have you ever thought about like turning that into a book or writing a book at some point? Yeah, I've thought about it, but um, the only really way I do things is, is all in. Like when I go in, it, it's all in. And uh, I'm not sure my mom might take a break off talking to me for a couple of years. But that's, <laughs> So I put in every story in the book, um, but yeah, I have, I have a couple logs, like a couple journals, and then I have a ton of stuff on my laptop. Um, maybe at some point I love to travel and stuff. So like when, as I'm traveling, I'm always writing stuff down and like stories that I remember and, and little things that have happened. So we'll see down the line. I, I honestly not, not sure, but uh, like I said, I'm going to have to get permission to sign off on a couple of those stories from my parents. Probably. Yeah, definitely. You could probably uh, you could probably drop something on the athletic. They always I feel like they always have some yeah. good little save you some time from writing a whole ass book. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. I actually formulated something like that. Um, I've been thinking about that too. I thought about that to extend my retirement letter and do a piece on it. Um, but it's definitely something that I want to mix in. I don't think it could be like a full time thing for me. But to be a part time contributor on a site like that would, um, would 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 be ideal for me. I think. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I just want to start from, from the beginning. We'll start with the uh, the junior career. You played three seasons with the Erie Otters uh, right at the end of the 2000s up into 2009. What was your experience in Erie like? I think Nick and I were saying this before uh, today's show is that, you know, it feels like them in London just pump out like everybody under God's green earth in like the NHL. Pro after pro. Yeah. It never used to be like that though, man. Uh, when I was there, it was a tough place to get players to come play. Uh, I was blessed to have um, an incredible coach there. He used to coach for the Devils. His name was Robbie Fatorik. Uh, we ended up playing just better and better. And then they made improvements on the rink and, and the team started playing better. And then they got this young kid named Connor McDavid, who you guys might've heard of, but once or twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that just set things in motion, man. And then, then the, all those NHLers that you're talking about now, they, they were streamlined in like the, I don't know, the late, yeah, the later part. And, um, it wasn't like that for me, man. It was a tough place. We were in an older building and I don't know if you've ever been to Erie. I'm not saying anything bad about Erie. I'd love to dare, but it, it ain't the prettiest city. It's blue collar. <laughs> it's, uh, tough winters man and tough people live there um it was definitely like a different place to play you go up to london it's pretty posh you go to kitchener it's pretty posh and then when uh people drove the bus into play here you definitely uh you're definitely thinking twice about the game because it was a it was a different world but i graduated high school there and we still have a group maybe five or six of us that are still best buddies to this day i've been to all their weddings so it's where i got my start and i have a lot of good memories there 
That's awesome. I, I don't think yeah. it's um, any secret, you know, that you were kind of known for, for your toughness, but you did have 20 goals in your final uh, season in Erie. Do you have like anything that you can attribute that directly to? Like, was, <laughs> did you have really good line mates? Was it just, you know, you had some luck? Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. A eh? 20 tucks. Um, yeah. I played, um, I had the same centerman. He was a Red Wings draft pick. His name is Zach Torquato. We played power play and, and everything together, but um, I'll, I'll bring it right back to my head coach, Robbie, who's a longtime NHL guy. Um, I just worked on my skills every day, man. We had this thing at the rink called Breakfast Club. So we weren't in high school anymore. We'd be at the rink every morning. We'd be on the ice working on shots, working on stick handling. Because I knew, like, I knew I was tough enough to play and I knew I could hit and fight, but I knew if I wanted to play the next level, I had to bring a little more and, and round out that game a little bit. So I was always working on it, man. Like, I, every day I was doing something. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you played with a guy that you may have heard of named Ryan O'Reilly in juniors. Is that correct? Yeah, we call him Snook. That's his nickname. Um, <laughs> he was a first overall rookie when we got him. I think I played two years with him. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, man, I get asked about him all the time, and he's tough to explain because he's a super intense, focused, driven guy, but he's also super laid back and cool. He's a cool Irish dude, loves his Guinness. Well, not back then. We were 18 or 19 <laughs> back then. But um, I've never seen someone dedicate his uh, his life to the craft more than him. He was the hardest worker I can say I've ever played with. It doesn't even come close. He was he was on a different level. He was doing stuff back then that people are just starting to do now, skating and, and training and skills-wise. And um, he was two years younger, and I was supposed to take him under my wing, and I think he took me under his because I was <laughs> – I was learning stuff from him every day. They put him right beside me in the dressing room. And um, yeah, I, I was just, I was obsessed with, with this kid. He was incredible to, to be around. And then we're still good friends to this day. I mean, like we, when we'd play each other, he was with the abs or whoever came to town, we'd try to grab dinner or, or whatever it was. And um, still uh, keep in touch to this day. So I'm a little bit of an equipment nerd, I guess you could say, to put it mildly. The, the big thing when the Blues were in the finals is there was a picture of his stick, on, and on the curve it went viral because it's so fucked up. Like, I, I can't explain it. It's, yep. like, ridiculous. Did, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you kind of know what I'm talking about, or am I crazy? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, no. So I have I have a collection of sticks at home at my place. So it's just I'm, I'm at the condo right now. I'm at the house. I'd show you everything. Um so Ryan's stick, so Snooky's stick, um, you can change the lie on it, right? So the higher your lie sits, the flatter it lies on the ice. So I think a regular is a four. He changed his to about an eight. So first of all, like when the blade goes down, his whole blade is completely flat on the ice. Usually there's some sort of banana curve. Right. Um, his is completely flat <laughs> and it's a straight blade. There's no curve. And then at the end, he had just has this little toe that he used to curve himself. He used to take the blowtorch and make it just at the end. Uh, he loves it on the wall. He loves it in the face-off circle. But then, you know, you make the NHL and people make those sticks for you. You don't have to yeah. blowtorch your own. But it is one of the most bizarre sticks I've seen played with. I tried using it. I couldn't even get the puck off the ice. I literally couldn't <laughs> the puck. Uh, It's just flat. It's like a canoe paddle with, with a little toe on the end. Yeah. So uh yeah it's incredible that he does what he does I, i'm not surprised he wins so many face-offs because the thing is you know should be illegal but uh yeah definitely an, an interesting bird and, a, and an interesting curve for sure uh and then obviously your your junior career was pretty successful and then you were lucky enough to or for, i shouldn't say lucky fortunate enough to be selected 172nd 
in the 2007 draft by the Dallas Stars. Uh, fun fact, just for the listeners, uh, Nick Benino was picked immediately after you. Yeah, I don't know if that's who, – who picked him, Pitt? Uh, that was San Jose. Pitt uh, – so Pitt, Pitt picked um, Dustin Jeffrey right before you. I looked it ooh, up. That's a good pick too, though. I, if I was Sharks, though, I might have sw- swapped those two picks. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I didn't um, – I didn't think I was going. I know a lot of people say that, but I truly didn't think I was going. I had, the, I had a decent year, like not bad, but – I mean, like 15 points or 13 points and 20 fights. And I fought some really tough guys, but I talked to one team and that was Dallas. And that was, the draft was on Friday. They have the first round on Friday, second to seventh on Saturday. And I sat down here in Toronto with like the uh, regional scout here for the Dallas Stars. We had lunch. We talked for about an hour. And I guess I must have made an impression on them because Saturday, yeah, my buddies were, I went to prom the night before actually. Wow. And then, wow. Uh, that puts it yeah, in perspective. Went to prom. <laughs> yeah, we had a little after party at uh, one of our uh, buddies' houses. We all woke up and we were just kind of hanging by the pool. And then the phone just started blowing up. And everyone, we didn't, phones weren't a huge, that sound makes it sound old, but I was 17 at the time. Like that's 14 years ago now. Phones weren't that big, but. Right. Um, so we weren't on Twitter and all that, all that stuff back then, but yeah, it started blowing up and yeah, sixth round to Dallas. So no one can take that away from me. It's a pretty cool accomplishment. Definitely. Yeah. And from what I'm seeing, based on your career stats, you must have just had the best time in, in uh, the AHL there with Texas. I mean, it looked incredible. You know, all you get played a bunch of games every season, and I believe you guys won a Calder Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so you're right on the first part. I missed the Calder. It was uh, the year after I left, which sucked. The year a after. Ton of those okay. guys. There was, there was a core of guys that I played there with that I was there for all four years because we were an expansion team. That first year I played in Austin, we were an expansion team. So Dallas moved the team down there, built a brand-new rink, and I think we had 200 fans our first game. And by the end of it, we made the Calder Cup finals my rookie year. Uh, but by the end of it, yeah, we were sold out every game. Wow. And it was like one of the coolest places to come play in the league. It's this rink out in the middle of nowhere, out, out on a farm basically somewhere just north of Austin. And um, Fans were nuts. Fans were incredible. And, yeah, I was hitting, I was fighting, I was playing games. And uh, it's just a cool place to play. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Austin, but it used to be this – you know, best kept secret in hockey. And now it's guys have got that road trip circled on their calendar. Yeah. Um, The the live music, the food, everything, man. And now it's a hockey town. Like we, the Meyer hockey system there is is booming. It's one of the fastest growing markets in the U S and I attribute that to a lot of the stuff we did with the stars. It was great time, man. I love that place. Yeah. I've been, I've been to Austin once. It, I've never been to Nashville, but people tell me it's somewhat kind of a similar vibe, but I can only imagine it, it must've been like the, the hidden treasure of like road trips went back before everybody started moving there. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people knew about it. It reminds me of Nash a little bit, but it's just not, I think Austin Nashville's like Austin, but like a little older, a little older. Cause it, okay. you know, they have the university right downtown. The Longhorns are right downtown, uh, which is super cool. The campus is beautiful. We went to a couple of football games there. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah. It's wicked, man. And um, yeah, every team that comes in like one at a time, they were just like, Holy man, this is incredible. And I look back on it now and I'm pretty blessed because you could look on the hockey DB or whatever you got up. I played in 
no offense. I love the fans everywhere I played, but I played in Stockton. I played in Bakersfield, both in Cali, uh, Albany, New York. Um, like I said, nothing against the people that live there, but uh, Austin was definitely a good place to kickstart your career. And, and uh, that's what I thought the American League was like until, <laughs> until I <laughs> went, went and played in other places. So I'm definitely fortunate. What was the uh, transition like for you going from playing in the O to playing in the A? Did you find it, you know, smooth or was there a big learning curve there for you? I think what helped me out a little bit was after we got bounced in the playoffs in junior when I was 19, I actually got to go to Boise right after the season and play the last couple of regular season games with them. I signed my entry-level contract and flew right to Boise. Um, and I got to play that in the playoffs with them. And so I kind of like got to see a little bit what pro hockey was like, but the East coast is a different animal too. that league. It's uh, it's, it's a tough place to play. A lot of older guys, a lot of, a lot of savvy veterans there. And um, when I got to, uh, when I got to Austin, it, it was, I don't want to say it was, it was easier than I thought, but I definitely, um, I just came out guns a blazing. I had so much adrenaline every night. I was trying to take every single guy's head off. I could, I was fighting. I was, you know, I was running around and it's just like, I don't even remember <laughs> half the games I was playing, man. I was just all jacked up on Red Bulls and, and, um, and just trying to find my place in the lineup. And um, it worked for a bit. And then I got sent back down to Boise. I wasn't playing. They sent me down, like, I don't know, maybe a couple months in, I was devastated, but found my way back up. And that's minor hockey, man. It's just, it, it's yeah. tough to stay. And it, it's a it's tough leagues to play and tons of travel. I think that's the biggest thing for me was the travel and, and forget to mention too, living on your own. Like I, I had billets and I lived with my family my whole life. And now me and my roommate who's from uh, Red Deer, Alberta, we got a condo in Austin and we're shopping at Costco. And we're trying to figure out, you know, how to live on our own. So it was an adjustment, but um, uh, it, it was definitely, it was definitely fun. So one name that became uh, pretty much a household name, especially in Toronto this season, was Jack Campbell. And I believe, based on the research I did, that he was your goalie when you were in Texas. Was he as likable back then as he is now? Because all the Leafs love him. <laughs> Guys, I I called this from day one when uh, I actually thought they were going to get him before that because he was Kyle Dubas's goalie in Sault Ste. Marie and Sheldon Keefe oh, was the coach right. in Sault Ste. Marie. Guess, Sheldon Keefe was the coach there. So there's that, all that connection and when they started having that goalie carousel, I kind of, I kind of felt something was coming. And uh, I played with him for two years. And I can honestly say, other than I already mentioned O'Reilly, but hardest working goalie, it, it's not even close. This guy was our starter and he'd be on the ice. First guy on, last guy off. Always had a smile on his face. Always took the blame for losses when it wasn't even his fault. We could, you know, we could have played the worst game ever and, and he's still taking it for us. Um, athletic and just energetic, good kid, likes to have fun. And I, I could see how, how much and why the Leaf guys like him so much just because he's such a likable teammate. And uh, it was really cool to see him get a chance. It's always nice, especially with the career I had in the minors, it's always nice to see guys that, that work their tails off in the minors finally get a sniff and, and be successful. Because there's so many guys you see down there, you're like, how's this the guy not playing in the NHL right now? Like, he's so good. And some guys just get their opportunity and they make the most of it. And that's what Jackie's doing right now. So great to see. Yeah, he was fantastic for them all year. I mean, he had like what? It was almost 10 wins in a row, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He, set the, he set the franchise record there. Good for him, man. 
crazy. Yeah. Nick, this is this is more so just a comment, but like he we had a, our very first guest that I would consider to be like a bigger name would be uh, Zach Fucali, who was a pretty high draft pick by the Habs, uh, you know, probably about what, 10 years ago now or something resembling that. And Jack yeah. reminds me of him. You know, they, they play in the yeah. world juniors. They're pretty high picks for goalies. And then, you know, they kind of maybe sink a little lower than you would have thought at the start of the careers. And then, you know, Zach's starting to find his stride now, but Jack certainly found it. I think he, uh, <laughs> Freddie might not be in there next season. But yeah. yeah. Well, man, you nailed it with goalies, especially in the minors. It's, goalie's the, the toughest profession, right? Because every team has their starter and you either you either start as a starter and then you have to adjust to being a backup and only playing every couple games. And then, you know, you try to take over a starter role, but you only have like a slight opportunity there. So it's tough to be a goaltender and break in the league. But yeah, like you said, man, like sometimes it's up and down for Cali. I'm not sure even sure how he's doing right now, but it's nice to see a guy like Jack finally getting to do. Yeah, so I'm going to strike while the iron's hot here. So we got game, what, five, I think it is tonight, Vegas, Montreal. And speaking of goalies, it sounds like Flurry is going to start after Laner just won game four for them. Uh, you know, DeBoer just has balls of steel, I guess. So there's yeah. that. But what are your thoughts on how game five is going to go? Well, first of all, I think you got to start Flower. I, I think he's the guy. Um, yeah. I mean – Leonard played great last game. I just think you go back with Flower. Um, I think Vegas takes it tonight. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be it's going to be a sick atmosphere. That we'll know that for sure. Yeah. Um, I've learned never, you know, literally and figuratively, I've learned never to bet against Carey Price, especially <laughs> in this play in these playoffs. That's um, solid advice. So, <laughs> so I. I, I I, this is probably the series I've had the toughest time calling games and, and making bets on because I, it's just uh, like you, you can, you never know with this guy. You can put up 40 saves tonight and walk away in Vegas with, you know, with a shutout if you wanted to. So either goalie could. Been, yeah, legit. Honestly, um, they're just so athletic and flowers is such a big game goalie. So I think it's, I think, you know, it's going to be a, another close one tonight. Uh, if we're talking actual bets, just hammer the under, whatever it is. And uh, I like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sure. I, but yeah, I, I've learned never to bet against Kerry, but I think Flowers is the right one. I think it's good to go back with Flurry tonight. I agree. You got to think it's like a redemption game for him, though. Like he's going to be more motivated than anybody else. Oh, yeah, 100%. And they'll be at home, too. So yeah. he'll be, they'll be buzzing. And I, I know guys, especially analysts and stuff, don't like to make a big deal out of playing at home, but it makes a big difference just being in your own bed, driving your own car to your own, to the own, your own rank. And uh, I think that's going to be big for them. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, so let's shift back to your career for a second. What was uh, your NHL debut? Like, I think it was pretty successful if I remember correctly. Yeah. So that was a whirlwind, man. I got um, claimed on waivers by Edmonton. So um, I was, I was in Austin. I had driven down, I got on a flight it was a wild day, Sunday, yeah. Um, got on a flight to Minneapolis, and then the next day I'm practicing, and uh, they tell me I'm going to play the next game, and it's their home opener, and it's uh, Hockey Night in Canada. I remember the GM, he said, have you ever played in the NHL before? And I was like, well, first of all, you should probably know this if you just picked me up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I said, no, I was like, no, I haven't. He's like, well, you're going to play in your first game tomorrow. Talking in Canada, Winnipeg at home. I'm just like, all right, this is wild. You know, wow. get my mom, get my mom on a flight and pretty restless day. I'm staying in a hotel, but try to keep the vibes good. And 
I remember it was like October 2nd or October 1st and it was full snowing out in Edmonton. I'm like, Oh, of course. Right, here we go. <laughs> so yeah, we get there, they're waving the white towels. And I just remember, um, our head coach gave me a little tap and he's just like, you guys are up next. And we went out, we got kind of a quick icing, um, maybe about eight, nine, 10 seconds, something like that. And then we did a face-off play in the offensive zone and my centerman won it right back behind his feet. I swung behind, I threw it on that and it went in. So I scored on my, you know, first game, first shift, first shot, first goal, uh, 14 seconds into my first game. And it was actually a record at the time. Mario Lemieux scored the fastest goal by a player in his first game at 15 seconds. And I broke it at 14 seconds. Um, so I kind of sat on the bench after that. And I was just, I had that same look that you just had. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like, and if you watch it, it kind of, it hits a couple guys. And like, I wasn't really sure, but everyone was celebrating with me. So they must have saw something. So I kind of knew. And then they announced it and reviewed it and announced it. So it was pretty cool. Like, I think four shifts later, was it second period? Maybe it was still the first period. I fought their tough guy as well right at center ice. And it was a great scrap. And Yeah. Tough sucks. We lost in overtime that night, but um, yeah, debut for the ages for me, man. I it was it was just a super super cool night. Is that still the record? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, I tell people it is, but it it hasn't. It's been beaten. Um, <laughs> I think it's been beaten twice actually. Um, wow. two, yeah, I think when when I scored that too, like I remember people telling me they're like it took someone 30 years to break this record. Like, I don't think anyone's breaking this ever again. And I think two people broke it in the same year, like last year or two years ago. But I just tell people, I just tell people I still got it. I, yeah. They can look at it. Absolutely. They can look it up if they, they yeah. can, I'm not, cause I'm, I'm not even sure to be honest, but <laughs> they, they, they can do the research if they want. We'll run with it. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I mean, you know, you had a, a good stint in Edmonton, and it's an interesting time in Edmonton for sure. It's, you know, leading up, you were there before McDavid got drafted, and they, you know, had all these first round picks in Hall, Yakupov, you know, Nuge. So instead of asking like a bunch of different questions, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of going to let you go in a soliloquy here. Like, how do you summarize that playing in Edmonton during that time period where they were trying to shuffle so many cards and figure it out? Well, to, to dumb it down for me, to be honest, it was really freaking cool. Like it was, it was yeah. a cool time to be an oiler. Um, it sucks. I mean, we're looking ahead now. It sucks that we didn't have the success that I think we should have, but me just playing in the minors and I watched a lot of hockey too. And especially Canadian teams, I was always watching them. So getting in the locker room my first day and Ryan Smith was our captain, who's captain Canada, absolute legend shakes my hand. And then it was Sam Gagne and Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, Yakupov, um, Justin Schultz, who was a stud at the time, too, still is. Sorry, Schultz, but it still is a stud. But um, <laughs> it was just a cool part, cool, um, cool dressing room kind of vibe to be around. We were all young. We were all single. Yeah, there were a bunch of single guys. And um yeah, there was just a buzz around the town, and it, that's what sucks. It was just disappointing. It was, it was we we uh, we didn't hit any expectations that people thought we would, and we took that pretty hard. It's a tough town to play, and it's um, it's all hockey, all Oilers, all the time. Um, so it's a tough place to play. But for me, it was it was just a cool experience. Like I was just living the life, going to the rink every day, playing in the NHL. Twenty four years old, right? It was uh, 
it was definitely an experience for me. You keep going two more years and we, we drafted Connor. And then, so I got to play a year with Connor as well. We actually all lived together. Me, Taylor and Connor all lived together in the same house. What? So, <laughs> what? Yeah. So That's me crazy. And Taylor, so me and Taylor lived together. Me and Taylor all lived together my second year. Um, and then, yeah, my third year coming in would have been Taylor's like sixth year. Um, Connor was supposed to live somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, he ended up moving in with us, and that was a that was a cool year. That was, that was good. I was I was living with two four uh, two two future Hart Trophy winners, and um, yeah, man, still twenty you know twenty five twenty six playing in the NHL. It was a blast. So you and Halsey played in Jersey too, right? You got so you've played with him for two teams now. Yeah, so he got traded, which was like a stunner, right, in the off yeah. season, uh, a couple days before free agency. And I give Taylor all the credit in the world because I was a USA and Edmonton had told me they're not going to resign me, which was I was pretty bummed out about. Um, mm-hmm. And he got traded to um, to Jersey, and I would think one conversation just led to another. Um, guessing their GM Ray Sherrill was involved, and you know, on July one, uh, the bell hit noon at, at free agency starts, and Jersey was my first call. Maybe ten minutes into free agency, and it was Ray Sherrill. He said, "Do you want to come to Jersey?" And I think I, I think I said yes, but hung up and uh, called my agent at the time. And yeah, I think it was a pretty quick call back. It was within like two hours. I was like, yep, let's get this done. They faxed it over and um, I was a devil. Yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. I didn't know much about Jersey. I honestly knew nothing about Jersey too. They were in the East against the Leafs all those years, but like, yeah. it's just like Jersey. Like I, I knew nothing about the Devils. Um, so I was a little nervous and, it ended up being a weird year. I was up and down with Albany. I broke my foot in my first game with Jersey. So I was kind of up and down with Albany, but still had some great memories and made some uh, great friends along the way. And Jersey can't say enough good things about that place, man. The building is unreal. The fans are amazing. Um, I mean, right downtown Newark kind of, you know, it's a little, little shady, but uh, we lived in Hoboken right across the Hudson river. Oh, and that's we were, a great spot. We that's can, a nice spot. Yeah. And like uh, Taylor had a place there that I was staying at all the time. And man, you jump on the Lincoln tunnel and you're in Tribeca in 15 minutes, right? You're right yep. in New York in 10, 15 minutes. So it was, uh, I, I think it gets overlooked a little bit, but definitely a really cool place to play. Uh, have to ask about Connor just because of the, you know, he's ascended to like a God status at this point, I would say. <laughs> What was he like as a roommate? Like, I can't even fathom that. Uh, I know. I think he gets mad that I, I like every, cause every single interview, like it, and it's understandable, right? Like I, yeah. I lived with, I lived with probably not, I, I don't want to say probably, I, I believe he's the best player in the world. Um, it was cool. He was super raw, super, like he was 18, young, uh, first time living on his own. Um, but really cool kid, uh, super hockey driven, like loved the game was all hockey all the time, but at the same point too, he still had that switch where he turned it off where, you know, we play video games or watch football or, you know, do whatever um, to try to get our minds off the rink. So he was a cool guy to have around um, still friends to this day. And um, yeah, just a, a good kid. It was, it was always cool picking his brain too. Uh, we'd watch sports center. We'd, you know, we'd watch highlights and, and I'd love picking his brain, asking him to talk hockey for me because he thought, I was here. He, he just thought on like a whole different spectrum that I did. So it was definitely cool. And, and you know, I cherish that year we had together. Uh, one part of your career in Edmonton that I do want to touch on, and I only ask this because this is a name that comes up a lot in our, you know, fan base or demographic that kind of listens Northeast United States type vibe. Yeah. 
Um, you fought Milan Lucic <laughs> in, at the yeah. end of 2013. And after watching the fight, I mean, you, I would say more than definitely held your own. You could probably even say you won that. It was pretty, pretty even throughout the whole thing. And you he, got him clean like two or three yeah, times. You, yeah. yeah. He, uh, what was that know, like? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. So that was weird. I'll tell you, I'll try to give you the cliff notes, the story. So Boston only comes to town once a year, right? So we're in the East, East West. So they, they're coming to Edmonton. I don't think we had been to Beantown yet. No, I don't think we had, because I wanted Luch. Like, I, I had my eyes set on him, but uh, we were matching up against their fourth line, and they got up two goals, and my coach sent us out, and I remember looking on the ice, and it was like Chara, McQuaid, Lucic, Aginla, and I'm just like, oh, boy. Like, I'm, I'm, my hands are full here. I ended up stuck with Luch on the wall, and if you watch in the video, I, I just basically stood in front of him. I told him, you're not going anywhere. And I was scared. Like I was nervous. I'm even nervous talking about it now. He's a big guy. It doesn't matter who you're fighting. I was always a little nervous. But he said, no, he's like, get out of here. And then I called him a couple choice words. And you can see the light switch go off in his head. I won't tell you what I said, but it's a little, I called him a okay. little B, B word. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember he just said, what'd you call me? And the gloves came off. And before I knew it, this guy's so strong. He reached over, he grabbed my helmet threw it like all the way down the ice. And I remember thinking in my head, I was like, you might've bit off more than you can chew here. Like, and then I just kind of breathed. Like I just took a couple breaths and yeah, those two, you were just mentioning, I hit him under and then I like flat out right across the cheek. Um, yep. And then came back over for a second one. And the second one, I was the hardest I could hit a human being. And he, he ate it kind of like this. And then he got right back in. I was like, Oh man, this guy, won't, this guy won't quit. Like, um, but it was cool. It was probably the, it was probably the loudest I'd ever heard Rexall arena at Edmonton. It was, uh, it was wild, man. Every single fan was on their feet. It was kind of right at center ice. So everyone had a good view of it. Um, and they just went, they went nuts, man. They went bonkers. And it, that, that was the fight that probably like cemented myself in the league as like guys had, Guys yeah. knew about me and knew, like, they knew I was scrapping a lot. But after that one, guys were like, all right, you know, this, you know, this kid's here, here to stay, right? At what point in your career did you realize, like, okay, I'm pretty good at this. You know, I can work this into my skill set here. You know what? I've been getting asked that a lot. And it's, it's become easier for me to answer because I played those four years in the minors with, with the Texas Stars and, I didn't get called up to Dallas once in four years. And I always thought I should have got a game here or there or a couple games or even a chance, but it just wasn't the way it worked. And um, I, I honestly don't think I was ready until after that fourth year, when I went to camp for that fifth year, the year I ended up getting picked up by Edmonton. I thought I had a phenomenal training camp. I, I fought a couple of times. I, I was buzzing on the ice. I scored a goal in our last preseason game versus Edmonton. Um, which is the ironic thing. We played them in Oklahoma city, our last uh, preseason game. But I remember kind of sitting in the dressing room after the game and being like, you know, I, I, I think it's my time, you know, like I, I'm ready for this. I've worked my ass off for four years, 260 games in the minors. Um, and I just showed them that I can score and I can fight and I can play with these guys. And then we jumped on the charter after the game and they told me I was, you know, you had a meeting tomorrow at 10 a.m. And that just means, you know, you're getting sent down. So I was devastated. I thought that that was my, I thought that that was my team I was going to play for. And, you know, 
shit happens in weird ways, right? I got a call 24 hours later and the Edmonton Oilers are flying me out there for their first, my, their first game and my first NHL game. So that's wild. I, it wasn't right with Dallas, but it, it worked with Edmonton. But yeah, I think it was right around there where I, I played enough, a number of games. I was in the best shape of my life. And I was just like, you know what, let's, let's send it here. I'm ready to go. So one other specific guy I want to ask about that, that you had a good tilt with, and you got to be careful on your answer. Cause like we said, we're from the DC area. So this guy's like royalty, basically. I know you're going to ask him already. Uh, <laughs> Tommy Wilson. Isn't yeah. It? And you're friends yeah. with him too, aren't Big you? Big time Tommy. Yeah, man. Tommy's my boy. I've known, I've known Tommy since we were kids. Tom's older brother, Pete, who I mean, you guys would know Pete, but Pete and I played lacrosse and Tom's dad was our coach. So he, Tom's dad was my lacrosse coach growing up. So I have a long history with Billy boy. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, he, and we train together in the summers too. We have uh, Matt Nickel who runs the uh, company BioSteel. So that was here oh, in yeah. Toronto. Uh, we train together every summer. You know, we like to mix it up off the ice too. We like to have a couple beverages every now and then I was at a Stanley cup party Um but yeah, like it's just the way things happen, man. I remember that game too. I think I only fought him the one time, right? Yeah, I was with Jersey, and um, yeah, he ran over John Moore from behind, and I just remember like thinking, I was just like, why, like why, <laughs> why tonight? Like I don't really want. Damn it! it. I kind of looked, I kind of looked over at him, and I just, I think I just kind of like mouthed or like whispered, I was like, really, we gotta go, and he just kind of looked at me, he's just like, yeah, I know, like he just, yeah, I know. <laughs> So and awesome. I was just like, all right. And that's what I love about him. He just gets it. Yeah. And I remember why I lined up beside him, but <laughs> I remember all he said was he goes, listen, I'll go, but I'm not squaring up with you. I'm just, I'm, we're going right away. Like I'm not, I'm not backing off. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. Puck dropped. And I think it was a good scrap. I just wanted to show coach that and my teammates, you know, that I, I'm going to stick up for my teammates. It doesn't matter if he's a good buddy of mine. And I think that's what fans don't know a lot is that, He's not the only one. There's multiple guys I've fought in hockey that I have a relationship with off the ice. And sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. I, I didn't love it. I'm not like super proud of it, but like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have been playing the next night if, uh, if I wouldn't have done that. So I just want to get your opinion on this from like, you know, a guy who, who's been there, done that. And this was the, I'd say probably the, the biggest eye drawing game of the season was what happened with him and the Rangers and we had one of the Rangers players, the rookie defenseman, Zach Jones, on last week. And, you know, he was on the ice for when they had the whole brawl start the game. And he kind of he, – he didn't flat out say it because he probably can't, but he hinted like we knew what was going to happen right then and there. What was your whole opinion on that game after the incident with him and Buchnevich? Because I feel like the hockey community really was like, oh, this shouldn't be in there. And then some guys were like, no, like they're just – they're answering the bell. Because the brawl was the first shift the game after, right? Yeah. 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 And so I uh, I have an ex-teammate. Uh, shit, I don't know if I should name drop him. I won't name drop I'll just say that he was on the ice for, for the first shift of uh, uh, New York. Um, and he, they, they all knew what was going on. Um, and then you had Smitty go after him, too. And you know what? I, I, it's tough, man. We get put in this position all the time to make – you know, crucial analysis, but I didn't mind it at all. I didn't, I didn't mind any of it at all. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all for the rough stuff as long as it's, um, you know, between the lines. And mm -hmm. I think it was long overdue for teams like that to have some sort of animosity and bad blood. I, I, um, 
I was hating where the game was going and it still is trending in that direction where like, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to be like a hard old, but like in warmups, when you're talking best, you know, your best buddies over there and you're laughing and joking and guys are talking to their buddies during the games. Like I had no time for that whatsoever. Like I'll be your best buddy. I'll go shoot the breeze with you. I'll go have a beer with you after the game. But for that, like 60 minutes, like you just got to dial it in. Yeah. So I, I think the most, the most general part that I loved was just the animosity between two teams that clearly, clearly do not and didn't like each other. Um, I look for it to carry in the next year. Mm-hmm. I, I look for the Rangers to get, um, to get a little tougher. And you can't particularly have a guy – I don't want to classify me like that because I thought I could always play the game. But you're not just going to put a guy on your fourth line. I think they're going to make a couple adjustments. And I look for the Rangers to have a – I know we're getting a little off topic, but I look for the Rangers to be, I, I think they're going to have a good, good squad next year. Glant behind the bench. That's a big hire. I don't know if it's official yet, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they're, I think they're going to get a little bigger. I think they're going to get a little tougher and um, yeah, I'm all for wine bros and, you know, a little retaliation, man. I never heard no one. Yeah. I, I had them going to the playoffs this year. I thought they were going to yeah. make it, but yeah, no, they're fast. They're electric, man. If they add a little toughness, good to get some good coaching. Uh, they're a team that's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah. So uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, that film Ice Guardians. Uh, you were a big part of that. What was that experience like? It was one of the coolest things I've done. I I was approached by the producers named Adam Scorgi. Uh, he's an Edmonton guy and we sat down for lunch in, um, in Edmonton one day and he ran the idea past me. And then he showed me some, um, he showed me some clips and he showed me some interviews that they had already done. This thing was in the works for like 10 years before we even did it. I think when I talked to him, it was, it was, it had already been in the works. They had funding and then the NHL pulled their footage. There was so much stuff that went into that. Um, but then they decided and they went through with it. And then we set a date. They came to my house in Toronto. Uh, we filmed in my basement and it was the first time I'd ever been on camera like that. Uh, super cool experience. And I'd never been a part of something like I said, like that, but um, watching the finished product, well, that was actually the coolest part. We had the premiere was in Toronto in my hometown of the theater, right? Um, right on Queen street here, just down the street from where my condo is right now. And um, about 400 people there, all the ex, you know, all the ex players and, and media. And then we all had our friends and family there. And it was really cool how it came out. Um, I wasn't sure even as much as I love Scourge, uh, you just never know the way they were going to portray it and how I was going to look and how we were all going to be portrayed. Uh, and in the end, it's a film I can still look back on now. And, and I'm super proud of, of everything in it. And um, if you guys or anyone else hasn't seen it out there, I think they might have just taken it off Netflix. So I was just going to say jump on Netflix, but I know, I know it's definitely still on Prime. I think it's on Amazon Prime video for sure. Um, but yeah, I still love pumping it because it's, uh, it's a super cool watch. It's easy. It's only about an hour and a half. And um, it's, uh, it's one of those ones you can throw on on just a rainy day or if you don't have something to do and you want something interesting to watch, you'll put it on and you won't stop watching. Yeah, I loved it. I've seen it like four or five times. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, I only did once, but Nick's a nerd. So, um, <laughs> and then la- the last team that I personally want to ask you about, and I'm most interested in this setting. I know you talked about playing, you know, near Austin, but the San Diego goals. I can only imagine how cool it is to, you know, be in San Diego. You're probably wearing flip flops every day, going to the rink. And I know yeah. you said you, I know you said you like to travel. Did you ever get to go to Coronado, like right next to it? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked about SD because I love talking about SD all the time. I think um, 
it's the best kept secret in hockey, not just in the American League, in in hockey. I think they could have an NHL team there. I think they would thrive. Um, three years in a row, we had the number – I only played there two, but three years in a row, we had the number one attendance in the league. We averaged 9,800 fans, so most in the AHL. Um, Friday nights, they had college night, $2 buds. The place is just packed. We'd have 14,000 in there. And, yeah, we, I lived on the beach. I lived 100 meters from the ocean, probably less than that. Um, like I said, man, flips and it, it was literally the same temperature every day. It's 20 degrees and sunny every day. It never rains. It never snows. It's never cold. Uh, it's literally the same Groundhog Day. Um, and yeah, Corona, like you look at places like that, there's big areas downtown is where like the, the Padres play, which are the coolest games to go to. It's right on the water. Um, Coronado is beautiful. Uh, oh, yeah. We used to drive out there. We had a couple events there. We actually, uh, we're, I'm allowed to tell you yeah i'm allowed to tell you we went yeah, to the navy awesome. we, yeah we went to the navy seal base in coronado we just yeah. we weren't allowed to take any pictures we weren't allowed to do anything right. like that or like tweet it right. uh but we went to the head navy seal base in coronado and did like a day of training with them and it was uh, oh, that's one so of the cool coolest things i've ever done in my life i yeah. actually got to we went two years in a row and we it was just unreal man we watched the guys that were going through buds and like yeah it was just it was cool as shit but yeah, man, we had we all had condos like in the beach. So we'd, you know, we'd drive home, um, you know, drive home from the practice rink, which is a bit of a drive. But <laughs> man, we'd get home, we'd get lunch, we'd jump on my little beach cruiser, you know, my no gears, and I'd just cruise around and, and I wouldn't even have to call anyone. I'd see teammates, you know, they're sitting at this place or, you know, someone's getting a smoothie there. Someone's, oh, we're going surfing today, we're going golfing today. Like, it was, it was honestly tough to like balance hockey because there's just like, it's there's like you're so not much. even. Yeah, it's just like you're not even playing, um, you're not even playing a, a sport there. But then, yeah, man, you go to the games and we had ten thousand in there every night, and the craziest fans out there. Like they were just diehards. They'd be waiting for our bus if we had a short road trip. They'd wait for our bus coming home and cheer us on. And uh, we made a really good run my my first year there. We made the Western Conference Final, lost to Chicago in uh, in six games. But man, just cool place to play, and and definitely one of the best kept secrets in hockey. Were you, were you there the same time as Brian McGratton? No, it was the year, he was two years before me. I was in uh, Bakersfield of Stockton when he was there. Okay. He always scared me. I, I, I even, I fought him a couple times or just once, but yeah, San Diego is always like to have like, they're a little tougher. Every year they have a, a guy or two there that uh, likes to throw down and it's a lot of young kids. They got a lot, a lot of young kids in the pipeline, so you know, I was everyone. Uh, my nickname there was Uncle Gas, so I just take <laughs> take care of all my young bucks there, make sure no one messes with them on and off the ice. And <laughs> yeah, just loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you're you're newly retired. Do you have? I know you said you're like keeping logs and memoirs of all the all the stuff that you've done. What it, what are you thinking that you're going to do next? Do you have any like projects you're working on? Are you in talks? I feel like you'd be a really good media guy for whatever my opinion is. <laughs> I know I'm just a uh, sure I appreciate guy. it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've, I've tried to get some things going in the works here. Uh, I definitely took like time off um, yeah. since the last season, and um, I've just been you know formulating stuff I want to do. Um, I was thinking podcast. I did a little bit of analysis, TV analysis with the Oilers for the playoffs. Um, so might might go that route. But um, man, I love food and I love to travel. Um, I'd like to do something you know involved in media in some way. So whether you know I have a you know a travel show or whether I'm cooking or whether I'm talking hockey on a podcast or 
you know, whatever it is, I, I think, um, I think I got a good voice and, and I got a lot of stories. I got a lot of life experience and stories to tell. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, some people don't feel comfortable in front of, uh, I don't love social media and stuff as much Twitter and Instagram, but you know, being in front of a camera and talking and telling stories and, and engaging with fans and people, um, is, is the, probably the direction that I'd, I'd want to go. So wherever that takes me, uh, we'll see. I'm trying not to force anything here. I'm trying to just let things happen naturally and flow naturally. It's, it's been a year since I played, but shit, man, it was a tough 11 years. It took me, um, it's still taken me time just to decompress and it's been over a yeah. year. So, uh, it's all I really knew for a long time. And, uh, the body's starting to wind down here. My, you know, I'm starting to get a, a little better head on me and get some ideas flowing and I'm sure something will come up, but definitely not going to force anything. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, where like specifically do you uh, enjoy traveling? Where are some places that you've been that were just incredible? So I've done a couple trips now. Um, I went all through Europe and then my last one was in 2017, which sucks to think about. I just haven't had the chance. We made a long playoff run uh in 18 maybe it was in 18 i went i did southeast asia so i tried oh wow through thailand. yeah i backpacked through thailand for a month by myself and then i did about a week or 10 days in bali and indonesia um and i love that part of the world i'd love to go back you know do vietnam maybe rip up to japan or even stay down there and go to laos I, I don't i don't know i love that part of the world i love the asian i love asian culture um i love asian food i might just go back to thailand too i love it there man i almost never left well, I almost never made it out of Bangkok alive, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I almost, uh, I almost stayed there and it, it got to a point, I think it was like end of May and it was like, I had been gone for like, I don't know, 30 something days. And I was like, shit, I got to go home. I, like, I woke up and it, it's time. I woke up in, yeah, I woke up in Indonesia one morning and like, I was staying in hostels too. Like I, I stayed in like hotels every now and then to treat myself, but I was staying in hostels with other people. That's how, that's one thing I learned in Europe when I went to Europe was uh, if you want to like meet people and like know where to go in the cities, um, it's easier to stay in hostels. And some of them are really nice and they're super cheap. So I met these cool ass people everywhere I traveled. And I really, I booked a start and an end, very loose end, but I booked a start and I basically landed in Bangkok and I just formulated the trip as we went and uh, I'd meet people and travel and, you got to kind of put yourself out there, but I'd like to do another one of those trips and just document it a little better. I'd like yeah. to go back to Asia, Asia with a decent camera and, um, you know, some audio equipment and, and just document, um, you know, 30 days in, in Asia and see if people will react to that. I'm sure they would. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. This is going to be a loaded question. So I know that going into this. So you seem like you like food. You, you, you're a big food guy. So you've Love been it. to a lot. Yeah. You've been you've been to a lot of places. What's like been your favorite meal at like a certain place? Like for instance, like paella in like Spain or some shit like that. Oh, good question, man. Um, octopus in Barcelona. We had this. We went to this restaurant and had like this whole octopus served to us in Barca. That was cool. Barcelona was one of the coolest cities I've ever been to. Huh. Um, and then in uh, Thailand, where the heck was I? Was I in Chiang Mai? I think I was in Chiang Mai. And we just we had like a big feast one night. All these different local dishes. We ate from the back of this guy's like shed. His like house was in the front, and like he had this shed out back. It was definitely not sanitary, but like we had a couple people um, growing up that I met from Ottawa. This dude from San Francisco. 
And we just like ate like kings and just like had every noodle dish and we had curries with rice and, you know, he had these homemade spring rolls and, you know, we had a couple beers too. And uh, I think the whole thing ended up being like $10, like Canadian, like it was like wow, dirt cheap. And I was just like, and that, that was one of the coolest ones I remember for me. I think we offered, I think we paid him more. We offered to pay him more. I was like, can I pay you more money for this? Cause this is like, unreal. <laughs> But anything, something just so simplistic like that, it doesn't have to be in a nice restaurant, like just sitting outside on a patio, eating with a plastic, you know, eating pad thai with a plastic fork and, you know, drinking Chang beer out of a plastic cup. And it ended up being one of the best meals I had had my whole trip. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, kind of crazy. Um, yeah. But I know we're running you kind of long, but before we let you go, I do want to ask, who do you have winning the cup this year? I think as we're talking to you right now, we got Isles down 3-2 to Tampa, and then we already talked about game five tonight. Who do you think is going to take it all? All right, so I'm going to preface this with saying that before last night's romping of the Isles, I had the I, – I thought the yeah. Isles. I thought they looked great at Nassau. Um, but, I mean, if you can beat a team 8 nothing in the conference finals, I just can't. What what I saw from Tampa last night was was the Stanley Cup. I think they're going to repeat. I, I don't think there's any way. It's just you know you could play those teams a hundred times. The Islanders will never beat. They will never beat them eight nothing. Like they they were just they're buzzing on all cylinders. We all know they're making you know twenty million over the cap. Whatever <laughs> yeah. is, We've talked about that quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> and dangle that one. I'm sure the PA is going to sit down and look at that after this year. But um, yeah. yeah, I just I see too much in Tampa to say no to them. Uh, they're they're so good that every single line contributes every night. And Vasilevsky, I think, is the best goalie in the world right now. Well, Carey, but I think Vasilevsky's just even their decor too. I'm just looking at their yeah. team, and they're just the most complete roster. So I'll, I'll give you Tampa. Uh, a repeating yeah that's all i got nick if you i mean do you think price can force game seven for the habs or no if it gets there this, see, this is only you should have said this is a loaded question because i'm a i'm a leaf fan so right. i don't, don't want right. to say this um i i i don't i think vegas is too good i think um I think if it was a three-game series or something small, maybe they could sneak it out. But over a seven-game series, usually the cream rises to the top. And I, I just I think their their little magical run here is is going to come to an end. And I think we're going to have Vegas and Tampa. So being a Leaf fan, uh, we oh. <laughs> yeah. How did how did you feel about them go, going with this whole Canada's team thing and the CN Tower being lit up in Habs colors? I mean, what was that all about? And you guys do your research, you know, shit. Uh, I yeah, I shit. thought it was embarrassing. I stayed inside the whole night, so I didn't have to look at it. <laughs> if you, uh, if you, and it sucks too, because like I have a couple buddies on that team. Like I, I, I just I don't like the Habs, man. Like I don't know who you're like. I don't made, know. I like, made the comparison. I, I said it was like, you know, if they lit up the Empire State Building with a Red Sox logo. Oh my God. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And yeah, but I'm not, yeah, it's very similar, very similar. And like, I can literally walk outside my condo and walk two blocks over and see the tower. And yeah, I chose to stay inside for, for that one. Um, didn't oh, love shit. it. I, I don't, I don't love the Canada's team thing. I, you know, I like it. I like it when it's the Raptors or, or the Blue Jays, but that's really because really they're, you know, they're the only ticket for their sport. Right. 
Um, but hockey, you know, we have seven teams in Canada. They're not Canada's team. So uh, I'll just leave it at that before I start going on a tangent about the Habs. <laughs> No, we're in full agreement. I was shocked when that happened. I was like, this is too much. Leafs Nation's going to go up in flames. So yeah. yeah, no, I was not having it. You got anything else, Nick? I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm good too, man. We, we really appreciate this. Thank you so much for taking the time. Man, no problem, boys. Uh, anytime. Hope you have a good one. That was a good chat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck with everything going forward. Seriously. All right. Thanks, boys. Hey, cheers. Have a good one. Big thanks to Luke for coming on the show. Super cool guy. It was super cool to catch up with him and just sort of get to know him. Uh, so we just want to send a huge shout out to him and say thanks once again. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. I hope you guys did too. Cool guy. Um, you know, good to good to talk to someone who played in the type of role that he did in the modern age. You know, being an enforcer in the modern day NHL is a little bit of a rarity. So good to get some perspective from him. And, um, you know, he's played and lived with some enormous names in the hockey world so that was pretty cool yeah no doubt no doubt big thanks to him and uh with that shall we hop into some signings yes uh so definitely some signings to get to obviously free agency was still going on uh the big one to talk about i think to start us off is the rejection of philip grubauer's contract with seattle by the nhl uh so Grubauer's contract with the Kraken was rejected by the league's central registry for violating the front-loaded contract requirements. So there was like a one and a half million dollar increase between 2022, 2023, and 2023, 2024 that exceeds 25% of the first year salary. Uh, so basically all this means everyone's like, what does that mean? Does it mean he's not like on the team anymore? Just, no, it just, they just have to resubmit the contract and then it'll get approved. I think you just said 20 more than anyone else in history. That, that, that put my brain in 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020, <laughs> literally. Uh, it, I don't just got to restructure it. That's basically it. Exactly. And good it's start like, for Seattle though. You get your franchise goal and you can't even get the contract. right? It's so. literally Seattle. Just like not knowing the rules. Cause right. New here. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when you're in like third grade and you like you go to turn in your math homework to your teacher and she's like, oh, you might want to double check that one. Like, what about, <laughs> look at number three, you know, are and you sure? Like, and I just can I just like take the B and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> go like, back uh, to your desk and fix it. <laughs> right. And at age three, I was always going, you know, Mrs. Smith sees get degrees. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, Yoel Kiviranta, good signing for the stars two year at 1.05 per. I think that's a great deal for them. He was obviously a monster for them, uh, in their run to the cup final. Tyler Bertuzzi resigns in Detroit. Nick Ritchie signs with the Leafs. I think that's big. Um, that helps the Leafs out a ton. Um, do you want to know what living inside the Rangers head rent free looks like? It looks like the Rangers signing Ryan Reeves to a one-year, $1.75 million contract. Mistake. Well, we Huge already talked. Mistake. We talked about them signing him last episode. They yeah. extended him by another year. So he's going to yeah. be there for two seasons now. So what that adds, so that 1.75 won't kick in until next season, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. 
What a, what a dumb season. Because by then, he, he, they're literally – he's not even going to be playing in the NHL. So, like – Right. What? Wow, we got a lot of bias on this <laughs> fucking podcast. I just can't wait till opening night so all the Rangers fans and all the Capitals fans can stop I was, calling each other all this shit. They just duke it out. They beat the shit out of each other, and we all go on our merry way. Like yeah. Mark my words. Ryan Reeves is going to play less than, like, 30 games in the NHL this season, and he might not play any of the year after that. Wow. So. Um, I was talking to some Rangers uh, degenerates at the wedding I was at, and yeah, that that opening night great game, conversation. Yeah, that opening night game is going to be interesting to say the least. Yes. Uh, Tyson Joe's reups at a two by two with Colorado. Ivan Barbashev two more years in in St. Louis. Uh, Derek step on to Carolina on a one year deal. Uh, of course, like that. Yeah. Like that. Um. Warren Fogel to Edmonton. I think that's an underrated signing. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really anticipate the Hurricanes to give him up, but I guess they're in a position to do whatever they want right now. Well, they got to bear back, though, right? And, and that's a pretty decent trade for both yeah, teams, in my it opinion. It is. Uh, Ryan Murray to Colorado for one year. Uh, not sure on the price for that yet. And then a ton of players in arbitration. We're going to go through this real quick. Uh, Zach Aston Reese for the Penguins, Ross Colton for the Bolts, Andrew Kopp for the Jets, Jason Dickinson for the Canucks, Vince Dunn for the Kraken, Adam Ernie for the Wings, Dante Fabro for the Preds, Dennis Gilbert for the Avs, Aiden Hill for the Sharks, Michael McNevin for the Cabs. Victor Mete for the Sens, Adam Pellick for the Islanders, Neil Pionk for the Jets, Zach Sanford for the Blues, UC Soros for the Preds, Jacob Rana for the Red Wings, and Nikita Zadorov for the Flames. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And for all our <laughs> listeners out there that might not know what arbitration means, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I want to make sure I understand this too. Doesn't this just mean that basically they're um, they're saying that like they want to talk more seriously about their contract and that they does they they feel they deserve more based on like their past year or or so it's, it allows the player and the team to basically present their cases and then a middle of the road arbitrator goes okay you know i agree based with on you, this you know, and based on that you get this this amount. is this yeah. is where we're going so right. It's kind of tough because if, you know, if you think about it, like how would you feel if you went to your employer, whoever your boss is or their manager, you said, I'm worth this. And they're like, no, you're not. You're worth this. I mean, it can, it can damage a relationship pretty easily. It can so, get dicey. Yeah, that's for it sure. It can get hairy for sure. I'm curious about the Verona one. That's the one I'm most uh, interested in. Had a popped off with Detroit when, once the trade happened. It's a toss up, right? Because he was pretty much crickets in DC and then popped off in Detroit. And so it's yep. like. You can yeah. totally see two sides to that coin. but Absolutely. Uh, some trades and rumors to get to. The Rangers, uh, we talk about them getting Ryan Reeves. They send a third rounder back in return. Uh, the rumors surrounding Darnell Nurse is that he's going to be extended for eight years with a $9 million AAV. That seems to be the you know standard stud young defenseman price right now. What do you guys think about that price for him? And what do you think that's going to mean for other defensemen going forward? I think this is a little too high and a little too long for Darnell Nurse. Now, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's quite on the same caliber list as like some of those other D-men that are up there in that salary range. I completely yeah. agree. That's some, that's some Kale McCarr money. That's some, you know, little more than Haskinen money. Uh, I don't think he's quite worth that much. This has been a hot topic on Twitter, and I know Oilers fans are saying at max they would go like seven, maybe seven I, and a half. I'd say five by six for this deal. Yeah, I mean, it's tough for Edmonton, right? Because 
try and name the last bona fide number one D-man they've had since Pronger. I mean, it's been so long, so it's it's tough. Um, and I know that they've got a good one here. He's a lot different of a play style than some of the guys we've mentioned too. He's not he's not this offensive smooth skating threat. He's physical. You know, he's a son of a bitch to play against. He's mean in the corners. So well, and they just traded Bear. Wasn't he a D-man as well? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I they have a couple like, guys in the pipeline that might be coming up soon, but not. they can't let Nurse go. That's no, for oh sure. God, no, they can't. But I don't think his. I don't think he's going to be getting nine mil. And if he does, then maybe you shorten the term because I don't think going eight years is the smartest deal for that. And if this happens, by the way, McAvoy and Adam Fox are literally going to be the daddies of their own franchise. I mean, if he's getting nine, then McAvoy is going to get ten or eleven. Yeah, and, twelve. And, and Fox is going to get ten or eleven. I mean, that's just absolutely insane. So, um, it, it it'll definitely help set the market even further for defensemen we just had mccarr at nine hayskinen at 8.25 so curious to see how this one goes yeah i think what it is is them saying we'll pay you nine million dollars a year to stay at edmonton for eight years and that's sort of the <laughs> way you have to look at it and that's it yes yeah yeah it and be, i wouldn't be. do it I no would not do it yeah i would send that to arbitration let's see if we can get that knocked down to four years but <laughs> yeah like hey based on how good i've been playing i don't deserve to spend my career right <laughs> <laughs> um some injuries to get to and these are two pretty big ones alex tuck is going to miss six months after having shoulder surgery so wish him a speedy recovery that's definitely someone that uh is pretty essential to their team i would say so yeah vegas is going to miss him yeah, and then one that the Habs are really going to miss who had an awesome playoffs, great postseason. I thought he had a great Stanley Cup finals. Paul Byron, he's going to miss five months following hip surgery. So just want to wish this. Mr. Wasn't he the one with the red eyes the whole playoffs too? Uh, I think that was, was Petrie. Petrie. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're right. Yeah. You're right. My bad. Um, but yeah, so just want to wish those guys a quick and speedy recovery and hope all is well. For sure. Uh, I think that about wraps it up for us here, fellas. Do you guys have any final notes before we get going here? No, I think I'm all set. Okay. Anyone have any crazy stories from the weekend or anything? Not really. Check back with me in a week. I got a big beer league game on Saturday. So nice. Uh, We lost our playoff game. So we're out. Um, Is that like a big beer league game in terms of the size of the game or in size of the beer? Uh, Probably both. Both, both. yeah. <laughs> they go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, best of luck. Keep, keep us updated on that. I think um, it's our second to last regular season game. but Okay. Uh, true. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, everybody. Well, that'll wrap it up for us for episode 90 of Empty Betters. Uh, we got a couple more episodes coming this month with some really good interviews, so be on the lookout for that. And uh, without further ado. Class dismissed. <laughs>